0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Data Science at Home. Today I'm uh, with uh, Brett Shen, software engineer at Google. His research interests match very well the ones at data science at home, that is machine learning, natural language processing, text and data mining. Brett is also author of a book that recently caught my attention. The book is titled Lifelong Machine Learning, written by Professor Bing Liu. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Data Science at Home, the podcast about data science for small companies and large enterprises. Data Science at Home is the show where we tell you the skills you need and the tools you can build at home. We are supported by World of Piggy, thinking human world in mathematical terms. Visit worldofpiggy.com or Twitter at World of Piggy.
0: Hello, Brett. Thanks for being here. How are you?
2: I'm very good. How are you doing?
0: i'm very well thanks well can you give us a brief introduction of who you are and uh, what do you do
2: oh thanks yes yeah, sure uh thanks francesco hello everyone my name is fred my background lies in machine learning natural language processing and data mining i obtained my phd from the university of illinois at chicago my advisor is professor bing liu my phd thesis is lifelong machine learning for topic modeling and classification. I have published more than 15 full research papers in premier conferences. Together with Professor Bing Liu, I have given three tutorials in artificial intelligence, data mining, and natural language processing conferences. So I'm currently a software engineer at Google, working on applying Machine Learning to Google products.
0: That's impressive already. And uh, honestly, I have been reading your book, um, uh, Lifelong Machine Learning, during the Christmas break. And I must say that there is a number of interesting points that you and Professor Bing made. Uh, I was really intrigued by some chapters in the book. For instance, uh, chapter 2 titled uh, How to Make Machine Learning More Intelligent and Closer to Human Learning uh, and definitely chapter five, uh, the so-called Never Ending Language Learner or N-E-L-L. How do you guys spell it? Uh, it, it only the titles were really, really attractive. And uh, I'm very glad that today I'm going to have a nice conversation with you about, uh, about this book. All right, so let's get started. Um, Well, in the book, you start mentioning the current machine learning paradigm uh, that is uh, isolated learning. So namely, a machine learning algorithm is trained on a given data set and deployed somewhere else, where eventually the data is assumed to have the same distribution of the training data. Otherwise, you know, things don't really work the same. Now, isolated learning, however, does not consider any additional information or knowledge that might have been learned already previously. It's basically a kind of memoryless approach, but it is the most widely adopted approach to machine learning currently. Why is that?
2: Okay, that's a wonderful question. So in my opinion, there are three main reasons. But first of all, Isolated learning is a problem that fits the academic research very well. It assumes that the training data and the testing data has the same distribution. And you know, this, the setting is more focused and easier to evaluate, and therefore, it has received a lot of attention. But in recent years, researchers found that in reality, the test data is not always sharing the exactly same distribution with the training data. And that is where lifelong machine learning comes into the picture. And the second reason is that there are some related learning paradigms that are more flexible than isolated learning. For example, transfer learning and multitask learning. Transfer learning tries to transfer knowledge from a source domain to a target domain. And multitask learning optimizes the objective function across all tasks. They're closer to lifelong machine learning in the sense of transfer, knowledge transfer. And last but not least, Lifelong machine learning was harder to do due to the lack of suitable datasets. For a lifelong machine learning system to work, the system has to learn from many diverse data sets. The recent evol- evolution of big data provides a large volume of diverse data for researchers to study lifelong machine learning.
0: So this is actually uh, a very interesting period for lifelong machine learning. These are great times to put lifelong machine learning to the test.
2: I certainly agree.
0: (laughs) So going back to isolated learning, uh, there are cases in which it can be impossible to enumerate all possible scenarios that might represent a phenomenon. Now, that's why the need for large or very large data set can be seen kind of as a drawback. But what do you think might be a benefit of isolated learning?
2: Interesting question. I think the main problem here is how we decide the completeness of the training data. For simple tasks, such as handwritten digit recognition, it is not difficult to obtain a large volume of training data that covers most scenarios. As a result, isolated learning can achieve very high accuracy on such simple tasks. On the contrary, for more sophisticated tasks such as obtaining the like like a image recognition, obtaining the complete training data is very hard, if not impossible. So let's take sentiment classification as an example. Sentiment classification tries to classify a sentence or document into positive, neutral, or negative polarity. The task is challenging itself, because there are so many different ways to praise or criticize things. Uh, people can have, you know, different opinions on almost everything in the world. Mm-hmm. So let alone the new expressions of phrases coming out of social media every single day. So in this sense, it is impossible to collect the perfect data set that covers everything.
0: I totally agree. And this actually leads us to a more philosophical question. Uh, We believe that the way humans learn is dramatically different from how computers learn. So computers, as we have seen already, need a lot of data. This is even more so with deep learning, for instance. But humans usually learn from much less data. And what do you think is more powerful and why?
2: Mm. I think that the reason that computers need a lot of data is mainly because most systems or computer models are built from scratch. They are purely constructed based on the data provided. Computers do not really learn right now. What it does is to generalize the given data and perform predictions based on the generalization. The resulting knowledge is similar, but also very different from human knowledge because it is often not transferable. It is obtained from that data for that task, and that's not useful for other tasks. Human knowledge, on the other hand, is learned from years of experience and summarized using things that can be easily transferred, such as not, such as languages or symbols. That's why humans like us don't see many things that are completely new, and only need information or data to learn the new aspects. Let me say we believe that without the knowledge accumulation and continuous learning as proposed in lifelong machine learning, computers will never be truly intelligent.
0: Uh, This is actually a very strong statement, especially when you said that computers do not really learn now, uh, which is true. (laughs) Uh, uh, A lot of researchers out there uh, will agree less (laughs) with your statement. (laughs) Uh, Now, according to the brief history of lifelong machine learning uh, proposed in the first chapters of the book, it seems that concepts like the one that you describe uh, have been introduced back in 1995. Now my question is why lifelong machine learning never took off?
2: I'm glad that you asked this question. Many others asked me this question before and Professor Bing Liu and I have been thinking and discussing it when we write a book. In the book, we have a section covering the history of lifelong machine learning. And I believe there are several main reasons that the research in this area has not been extensive. The first reason is that the machine learning research for the past 20 years has mainly focused on statistical and algorithmic approaches. Lifelong machine learning typically needs a systems approach that combines multiple components and learning algorithms. And the second reason is that much of the past machine learning research applications focused on supervised learning using structured data which are not easy for lifelong machine learning because there's little to share across tasks and domains. For example, the knowledge learned from a supervised learning system on a long application. It's really harder to be used in a health or educational application because they don't have much to share in common. Third, many effective machine learning methods such as SVM, deep and deep learning, as you mentioned, cannot easily use the prior knowledge. Even if such knowledge exists. These classifiers are usually black boxes and harder to take pose or interpret. They are generally more accurate with more training data. And fourth, related areas such as, as I mentioned, uh, transfer learning and multi learning were very popular, partly because they typically only need to address a few similar tasks and data sets, and do not require retention of explicit knowledge and that is an easier setting to conduct. Last but not least, as I mentioned before, the lack of big diverse data also helps machine, lifelong machine learning back. So I personally believe that this is the right time to study lifelong machine learning. The main intent in this book is to introduce lifelong machine learning and also encourage people to study, adopt and advance this area.
0: That's cool. The major goals of lifelong machine learning, uh, as you mentioned in the book, are extremely challenging, I must say. For instance, choosing which knowledge to retain for a certain task or how to use learned knowledge and maintain the so-called knowledge base are currently open problems across machine learning in general. So how does or would lifelong machine learning solve them? Um,
2: so, So far, the research in lifelong machine learning is still in its infancy, so there's no magic solution here. It is currently still case by case and largely rely on the tasks and specific algorithms. To give you a test, to give you a taste how existing lifelong machine learning systems solve this problem, let me briefly talk about our work on lifelong topic modeling, which was published in conferences ICML 2014 and KDD 2014. So topic modeling is a research problem that attempts to automatically discover a set of semantic topics from a collection of text documents. For example, from some news articles, the model may uncover the topic's politics with some relevant words such as politician, government, conquerors, and so on. Lifelong topic modeling aims at improving topic coherence by mining and retaining knowledge from previous topic model, previous topic modeling tasks. So in our particular work, the knowledge is formed as must link and cannot link. A must link states that two terms or words should belong to the same topic, for example, price and cost, because they usually have the same semantic meaning. A cannot link indicates that two terms should not be in the same topic, for example, price and feature. They're usually not related. Here, the knowledge is automatically mine, so that's why we try to retain all the knowledge that satisfies the potential usefulness criteria. But usefulness is not equal to correctness when it comes to a new task. For example, the word light may mean something that makes things visible, and that forms muscling such as light and luminance. But in a new task, the word light may be dominantly used as the meaning of, of little weight, hmm. which has nothing to do with luminance. To address this, we use the frequent, frequent item size mining and point-wise mutual information to approximate the semantic correlation using the new task data. And then the knowledge is selected based on how they correlate to the, this approximation.
0: All right. So, but frequent item set mining is the same that is used for market basket analysis?
2: Yes, it's widely used in many applications. Right. And to, uh, yeah, summarize my point here is there's no magic solution here. And this knowledge selection is an interesting open question for research.
0: (laughs) Well, you can use this podcast episode to make a call if you wish. (laughs) Okay, Uh, thanks for the answer. And uh, well, I uh, currently do a lot of deep learning as other followers of data science at home. And I have seen many approaches that are quite similar to lifelong machine learning. I'm referring to two in particular. The first is attention based models that indeed are helpful in focusing on certain aspects of the data to make a prediction. And uh, the second is knowledge transfer by which a neural network can perform predictions uh, in a domain that is different from the one where it has been trained now my question is does lifelong machine learning embrace such concepts or does it revisit them or change them completely
2: um, that's a great question so let me uh talk about the first point that you mentioned first the idea of attention mechanisms in deep learning is very interesting. It is motivated by human vision attention. It comes down to being able to focus on a certain region of an image with high resolution while perceiving the surrounding image in low resolution. in low resolution, and then adjusting the focal point over time. So it actually aligns with the idea in lifelong machine learning that given a new task, we want to focus on this new task with high resolution. But we do not want to ignore the previous tasks. So instead, the previous tasks are treated in a low resolution, meaning that the knowledge is abstracted from them and applied to the new task. So in terms of your second point, knowledge transfer, so the knowledge transfer is one of, actually it's one of the key components in lifelong machine learning. So in our book, we, were, we also covered some recent deep learning works with knowledge transfer. So most of the works are in transfer learning, which involves two domains, a source domain and a target domain. The source domain normally has a large amount of labeled training data, while the target domain has little or no labeled training data. The goal is of transfer learning is to use the labeled data in the source domain to help learning in the target domain. So lifelong machine learning, uh, instead, deals with a large number of tasks in a sequence, and explicitly retain knowledge. The early works of lifelong machine learning actually use neural networks, neural networks, where a global network is learned across multiple tasks. So more details can be found in the book. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that deep learning can be even more powerful when incorporating lifelong machine learning. The knowledge retained and accumulated from previous tasks can help deep learning learn faster and more accurately. Note that the lifelong machine learning does not limit to a particular machine learning model or algorithm. It is more like a general systems approach that can be applied to any machine learning model.
0: Wow, so I, I really like the idea of, let's say, plugging uh, lifelong machine learning to enhance existing models. It's, it's really cool also because it's kind of model agnostic. It doesn't matter what kind of model we have uh, down there in the pipeline. Uh, we just want, I mean, that's your approach is to embed a kind of uh, lifelong machine learning on top of these existing models. Really that's cool. Right. Really cool. Uh, Brett, let me ask you something I am particularly... Uh, almost personally curious about uh, regarding the amount of data to learn from uh, in general of course so what do you think of big data uh, let, let me let me be more more precise do you think that the more data we have the better
2: in general yes i think the more the better so in social sciences such as education cognitive science and psychology uh, so and And philosophy, it is common knowledge that like the Matthew effect of the rich gets richer. The more you know, the more you can learn. The more you know also the easier for you to learn something new. So if let's say if we don't know anything, it is really hard for us to learn anything new. right? So these are very intuitive as, as each of us must have experienced this in our lives. So to, to give you an example, it's probably very difficult, if not possible, to teach a person how to solve differential equations if the person has only an elementary school education. Mm, right. It is also important to learn from a wide range of domains, which give us a larger vocabulary and a wide range of knowledge to be incorporated in learning and problem solving, So, so that it is easier for us to learn in diverse domains.
0: <laughs> that that's that's very true. Uh, that's also valid for languages. Like learning a new language for a person who already knows maybe four or five is way easier than a person who just speaks the native language.
2: Definitely, and this should be also the same for computer systems. You know, to learn and accumulate a large quantity of knowledge, the system needs a large volume of diverse data here. Unfortunately. Such big data sets are now readily available, which should allow a computer system to learn and acquire a broad range of knowledge continuously, to become more and more knowledgeable, and more and more effective at learning and problem solving. A significant part of our book focuses on natural language processing and text mining. The reason is that, with the popularity of the Internet, it is fairly easy to collect a large amount of text data from many distinct websites, right? You can easily collect it from social media websites or from uh, some other news article web- website. So this provides a golden pr- opportunity for an effective lifelong machine learning system.
0: I see. Well, now that we kind of fixed uh, the amount of data, we explained uh, how big data uh, which role big data plays in this context. How about bias in the data? Uh, let me let me explain. There is a high number of data sets that are only partially representing a phenomenon, whatever it is. Now, this not only prevents models from learning, but can also lead to very inaccurate models that learn only one aspect or very few aspects that are usually the biased ones of the training data. So how does lifelong machine learning overcome such conditions?
2: Um, so that's actually exactly one of the strengths of lifelong machine learning. So let's first talk about why the regular machine learning approach may suffer from the bias. If there's bias in the data, which is, you know, quite common, a regular machine learning approach attempts to fit the data and that also fit the bias. As a result, the model degenerates due to the skewness of the data. For example, let's say um, we have a collection of tweets that only contain positive or neutral polarity towards a specific event. We then train the model on such data set. So when it comes to the test data, you will randomly classify the tweets of negative sentiment, because the model has never seen them before. And so let's see let's see how lifelong machine learning deals with such scenario. Um, at a high level, lifelong machine learning tries to feed the data and the, and the accumulated knowledge. Because it balances the fitting of data and knowledge, it naturally avoids the issue of data overfitting. So on the one hand, we need to feed the knowledge because we need to correct the bias or skewness of the data. On the other hand. The data is needed to filter irrelevant knowledge from the accumulated knowledge. So let's go back to the example of tweet sentiment classification I just mentioned. Note that lifelong Machine Learning works with multiple tasks. So let's say after the task of a tweet sentiment classification, we get other tasks such as product review and rating classification using, say, uh, Amazon reviews. Or like movie rating prediction using IMDB reviews, in such case, the lifelong machine sy- machine learning system will be exposed to many negative reviews and the expressions of you know these negative polarity. After finishing these subsequent tasks and extracting knowledge from them, the system has a more comprehensive knowledge about positive, neutral, and negative sentiments, which can which can be used to improve the task of the real world tweet sentiment classification. Okay. Um, after finishing these subsequent tasks and extracting knowledge from them, the system has a more comprehensive knowledge about positive, neutral, and negative sentiment, which can be used to improve the task of real world tweet uh, sentiment classification. So this idea is actually kind of similar to incremental learning.
0: Oh, I see. So uh, incremental learning indeed might be very useful in all those cases in which it is not possible to learn everything from scratch. And this is, however, something uh, that also online learning does. Now, how does lifelong machine learning distinguish itself from incremental learning?
2: So I believe you are mainly talking about single task incremental learning which is usually called uh, online learning, as you said. Right. So Let me briefly uh, review, let me first briefly review the online learning. So the online learning is a learning paradigm where the training data points arrive in a sequential order. When a new data point arrives, the existing model is quickly updated to produce the best model so far. Its goal is to, it's, it's the same as the classic learning that is, to optimize the performance on a given learning task. It is normally used when it is computationally invisible to train over the entire dataset, or the practical applications cannot wait until a large amount of training data is collected. So, although online learning deals with the future data in streaming or in a sequential order, its objective is very different from lifelong machine learning. Online learning still performs the same learning task over time. As I said, the objective is to learn more efficiently with the data arriving incrementally. Lifelong machine learning, on the other hand, aims to learn from a sequence of different tasks and retain the knowledge learned so far and use the knowledge to help future task learning. So online online learning does not do this.
0: Wow, so I see. I see your point now. So with lifelong machine learning, you are basically packing what the model has learned so far and starts from there rather than from scratch. And 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 this knowledge can come from learning from different tasks. So we really talk. If I understood that correctly, we are really talking about how humans learn here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So let me mention a, a potential side effect of this. Uh, as a matter of fact, the a major difference in optimization terms, of course, is local versus global optimization. Now, is there any risk that lifelong machine learning would result less accurate because it never gets the full picture of the problem?
2: Uh, So let me first uh, talk about uh, the local versus global optimization you just mentioned. So interestingly, the, the idea of this local and global optimization is similar in lifelong machine learning. The main difference here is that the object function is distinct because it takes the knowledge into consideration. As a result, the global optimal may be different due to the different object functions. To give you an example, in our ACL 2015 paper, under the Naive Bayesian text classification framework, the object function for our task of sentiment classification is to maximize the probability difference between the correct correct label and the other labels. Ideally, if the model is perfect, it should always predict the probability of the correct label to be 1 and the probability of the other labels to be 0. So, With the lifelong machine learning enhancement, the knowledge is added into the object function as L2 regularization term. So, the as you know, the since the object function is different, the optimal solution becomes different. And then going back to your question in terms of risks, yes, there are some cases where lifelong machine learning may suffer. The main one is the integration of inappropriate knowledge. Note that lifelong machine learning deals with multiple distinct tasks sequentially. Due to the differences among the tasks, uh, the extracted knowledge in the past may not be always applicable to the new task. So, if the lifelong machine learning blindly takes all the, the all this accumulated knowledge as the ground truth for the new task, it's likely to damage the performance. So, let's revisit one example I mentioned before. So, about the word, have, you know, a word has multiple, usually have multiple senses. For example, in previous tasks, the word light may only mean something that makes things visible, but in a new task, the word light may be used with a new meaning of, of little weight. So if the lifelong machine learning system only believes in the knowledge and treated the word light with only just one meaning, you will not get it right in a new task.
0: And So how would you select the right knowledge?
2: Um, so we covered this a little bit before, you know, we have like different mechanisms for this. And as I mentioned, in, for example, in our ICML and KDG paper, I mentioned, uh, we use the frequent item set mining and point-wise mutual information to approximate the semantic correlation using the new data set. And the knowledge is selected based on this approximation. Uh, so in general, it's still an open research question. And, uh its it's like very challenging, and one of the key problems we need to solve we need to solve in lifelong machine learning.
0: I see uh, lifelong machine learning also takes the distance from reinforcement learning, uh, which is the approach uh, according to which an agent uh, gets rewarded or penalized uh, after a transition to another state in the environment. Now this will eventually force the agent to learn an optimal strategy for. Uh, whatever task it has been programmed to Uh, and so the point is what is missing here that lifelong machine learning can provide for reinforcement learning
2: yeah um so talking about reinforcement learning uh, let me first review what is reinforcement learning and then i will talk about the difference between lifelong machine learning and reinforcement learning okay so reinforcement learning is this problem where an agent learns actions through trial and error interactions with a dynamic environment in each interaction in each interaction set step, the agent receives input that contains the current state of the environment, and then the agent chooses an action from a set of possible actions. The action changes the state of the environment then the action sorry, and then the agent gets a value from this state transition, which can be a reward or penalty. This process repeats as agent learns a trajectory of actions to optimize its objective. So usually the goal of reinforcement learning is to learn an optimal policy that maps states to actions, that maximizes the long-run sum of rewards. But in order to achieve high-quality performance, the agent usually needs a large amount of quality experience. So this is particularly true for, uh, the problems such as high dimensional control problems. Uh, the high cost of gaining such experience is a challenging issue for reinforcement learning. So in our book, we covered lifelong reinforcement learning, which is one type of lifelong machine learning. The motivation of lifelong reinforcement learning is to use experience accumulated from previous tasks to improve the agent's decision-making in the current new task. The book talks about multiple recent researches, research works that demonstrate that the experience or knowledge accumulated from previous tasks can significantly save the cost or time when the agent interacts in a new task. And a new task in lifelong reinforcement learning can mean a new environment or a new set of actions and states. So interesting readers can refer to chapter 6 in our book.
0: I I must admit that I partially skipped that chapter. Uh, I will read it right after this episode, I'm sure. (laughs) Now, uh, do you think that unsupervised learning is going to disappear anytime soon? I mean, uh, as collecting data becomes cheaper and label data increase, uh, what would be the point of unsupervised learning at all?
2: Um, Actually, I don't agree on that. I believe unsupervised learning will not go away. Instead, it will become more important. First of all, I agree that we will have more data, but manually labeling data is still very expensive. For example, in our experience of sentiment classification, labeling a thousand tweets can take several days. You know, this includes finding and training the annotators, sampling a small subset of data to calibrate the annotators, and then a couple of days on labeling the data. At the end, there are also some ambiguous examples which often take hours of discussions to reach a mutual agreement. Among annotators. And we'll just talk about a thousand tweets only. So considering the larger and larger size uh, data sets, having human labeling all of them is invisible. Also, in many cases, the user application is not clear. We may just want to get a better understanding of the data. In such case, uncivilized learning, such as clustering, it's very useful to provide some insight into the data. The information from uh, unsupervised unsupervised learning are often fed into supervised learning as features. Recently, there is a trend to study deep learning based on unsupervised learning. There has been significantly more research on supervised deep learning, but researchers have started to notice the importance of unsupervised learning and devote more time on it. I believe research of deep learning and other machine learning approaches on unsupervised learning will make unsupervised learning more popular, more popular and promising. Also in our book, we have chapter four that covers lifelong unsupervised learning. It many talks about lifelong machine learning on unsupervised topic modeling.
0: Interesting. Well, on the other hand, many researchers have kind of abandoned a bit the idea of the autoencoders or or unsupervised neural models. Uh, They have been putting that a bit on the side. But I personally hope that research in those areas also get more active uh, anytime soon. Um, I agree. uh, What are the future directions uh, that the authors of lifelong machine learning are taking in machine learning? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I would also be happy to hear about the next big thing in machine learning, if of course you have an opinion about that.
2: Um, So there are many very exciting future directions of lifelong machine learning. So I just want to highlight three of them here. The first one is the correctness of knowledge. So we have chatted this a little bit before. How to know whether a piece of past knowledge is correct is crucial to lifelong machine learning. Because lifelong machine learning leverages, leverages past knowledge to help future learning, incorrect past knowledge can be very helpful. Note that lifelong machine learning is essentially a continuously bootstrapping learning process. Errors can be propagated Errors can propagate from previous tasks to subsequent tasks and result in more and more errors. This problem must be solved to ensure that lifelong machine learning is effective. Human beings solve this problem quite effectively, as we know. Even if mistakes are made initially, you no, know, they can correct them themselves later if new evidence is present. Mm-hmm. They can also backtrack and fix the errors along with the wrong inferences made based on the errors. A lifelong machine learning system should be able to do the same. The second uh, interesting direction is applicability of uh, applicability of knowledge. How to know whether a piece of knowledge is applicable to a new learning task is also crucial to lifelong machine learning. Although a piece of knowledge may be correct or applicable in the context of some previous tasks, it may not be applicable to the current task due to some wrong you know, context. Without solving this problem, lifelong machine learning will not be effective either. Again, my works in the book propose some preliminary mechanisms to deal with the problem in the context of topic modeling and supervised classification. However, the problem is far from being solved. Much research is needed. The last one is I want to highlight is learning with tasks of multiple types from different domains. Much of the current research of lifelong machine learning focuses on multiple tasks of the same type. In this case, it is easier to make use of past knowledge. If different types of tasks are involved, for example, entity recognition and attribute extraction, In order to transfer past knowledge from one type of task to another type, we need to make connections between these types of tasks, otherwise knowledge is really hard to use across tasks. One system called NELL, N-E-L-L stands for Never Ending Language Learner, made some attempts to do so. Ideally, this should be done automatically. But with the current technology, it's hard because the connection Needs to be made via some high level knowledge, which needs to be learned separately.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see how this never ending language learner uh, will do in the near future. Uh, Also, because in in cases like this one, it's quite easy to move the problem somewhere else. Uh,
2: So, but yeah. yeah, I'm personally very excited about. (laughs) lifelong machine learning research and what lifelong machine learning system can accomplish in the future.
0: Absolutely. And I'm I'm, I'm very excited to see and eventually play with such systems too. Um, all right. It was it was very nice, Brett. It's uh, very nice to have you here and Data Science at Home. Is there a way for our listeners to reach you?
2: Best way to reach me is uh, through my email, which is c z y u a n a c m at gmail.com. And if you just search my name, Brett Zhiyuan Chen on Google, you will also find my uh, homepage, which lists uh, all the uh, professional experience and publications I have.
0: All right. So we will add your contacts to the show notes of this episode. Thank you very much, Brett, for being here.
2: Thank you.
1: Data Science at Home is the show where we tell you the skills you need and the tools you can build at home. We are supported by World of TV thinking human world in mathematical terms. Visit worldofpiggy.com or Twitter at worldofpiggy.
0: Hey, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and help this podcast reach more ears. So tell your friends and colleagues that we exist. We will really appreciate it.
1: Did you enjoy the show, then give us some support, anything of your choice, even one dollar. Maybe three? Okay, even three.
0: Or five.
1: All right, five, or anything you want. You can make a PayPal donation by clicking the yellow button at the end of each post. We will really appreciate it.